Good morning, everyone. We welcome you to our Sunday morning roundtable discussion with our subject of truth this morning. We are recording from the Plainfield Christian Science Church Independent, Plainfield, New Jersey, the United States of America. We're so glad you could join us this morning. And we will start with our morning prayer. I'm reading an excerpt from a prayer in the addenda of Collectania, page 30. We can bring, we can always bring God to us instantly by declaring he is with us. We never reach out for him in vain. God has ordained for us all good, and he will remove our sins from us as far as the east is from the west, when we want to give them up. Hold steadfastly the thought of yourself as good only, as spiritual only. The belief that there is two of me is where all the trouble comes from. Every treatment must include the understanding that it is the mind of God. It cannot return void it cannot be reversed by any so-called law of malpractice or human belief. Error says we are sick or discouraged. We don't say it. It is error talking about itself. If we admit it, we have accepted a lie. Truth says, I have perfect eyes, perfect heart perfect limb, etc. All there is to me is like God, like perfection. We should discard mortal mind judgment and pray for the Christ mind. It is our human will or judgment that argues we can't do so and so. There is no reason why we may not always demonstrate truth and be well. And happy. Mary Baker Eddy. That's beautiful. Demonstrate truth and be well and happy. Okay, Karen with the watching point. Watch number 285. Watch. Truth is. Let God talk all the time. There is nothing else. Comment. Well, it reminds me of that, um, uh, what Mrs. Eddy says on page 61 in the blue book. Father, teach me how to still the clamoring of sense and fill my place as listener that I may hear thy voice and grow to understand thy word and so become thy messenger. Then teach me. <clears throat> How to banish pride and stubborn will, that I might be thy representative, with no false sense of human zeal, that every word may bless and heal, when I thy message give. I I love that, but our our man is a listener, and um, so better we do that, the better off we are. Thank you very much. Beautiful what you read from the blue book. That too. Anyone else? I've been very grateful to find that God is talking all the time. And I'm grateful to science for teaching me how to listen and be that expression of soul. That's a wonderful blessing each day. So how, how do you listen? Well, I often get up in the morning and I try not to have any preconceived notion of what I need to do in the day, just continually go in prayer and ask, well, okay, what's what's next, Father? What's next? <laughs> and that has been a very life-changing thing because before coming here, I frequently thought I needed to 
gather all the variables and weigh them and figure them out. And of course, you know, you can never do that enough. So to let go of all that feeling and know that there is no variableness in God, it's been excellent, wonderful. Thank you. Also, if truth is the only reality, then why am I listening to anything else? <laughs> yeah, that's it. Everything I was listening to before was human imagination. So learning to shut that down has also been good. <laughs> so. Yeah, I like Bible, the red. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, I like practical instruction, right? In, is it Ephesians or Thessalonians, where the the, the, the the short list, pray unceasingly? I mean, you listen by being in a state of prayer, don't you? Mm. Absolutely. Getting into your closet and shutting the door. Okay, Lenny. No, I was thinking about what Florence read too, is like understanding, you know, like what is, you know, we, we seem to hear these thoughts that come into our head and they, and they do sound like our thoughts. I've, it, there's been some mornings when I've woken up and something will, something from the day before, like, you know, will come as like, well, I felt this way or I did this and it'll be something negative. And I'm like, wait a sec, that I is not, that I is certainly not me talking. And it's just, it's that, that really rang true to me when, when it was read by Florence, there's not two eyes. And so something that's saying something negative, like, well, I didn't feel very well yesterday, or I, I felt kind of out of sorts. That's mortal mind talking about itself. And it's, it's so helpful to, to recognize that that thought is just, it's not, it, that's not the real I. The I goes to my father. Thank you. I also yes. like, and I, I think one thing I learned, I think in Mr. Savans, that uh, to always know that if it's not good, it's not from God, and I don't need to listen to it. That's been very helpful. If it's not good, not from God, sorry. Thank you. Yeah, that simple rule she gave us. It is helpful. Uh, this listening is so important watching point is so important because truly that is how you demonstrate your oneness. It's the Father always talking to you and feeling of oneness. He's telling you what to say, do, everything. And and you have to have that quiet center in you always, even in a crowded room with a lot of people, that poise, that listening it will never steer you wrong. And I know for many people it's hard, as Lenny's hard to know well, what voice is talking, so it takes some practice. And it does, as Karen read in that beautiful statement from Mrs. Eddy, it does take the silencing, the clamoring, the human will. And I've had people, you know, they write me all these things they're knowing. I'm knowing this, I'm knowing that, I'm I'm knowing <laughs> And I, there's no room for God to say a word in that. And, and even if it is all truth that they're knowing, um, you know, just be still. Know that I am God. Just be still and listen. It, it must be practiced. And, well, I find usually in the early morning is when my thought is clear from the clamor of the day, many things will come to me that I need to know. And Mrs. Eddy has said, Sometimes if you need to know something to pose the question at night before you go to sleep. And in the morning, it works. Try it. So develop that skill of listening. Most also in, sorry, sorry. In, in Bicknell Young's day, his article, he says, you have not a thing to do, but be clear in consciousness so that mind may unfold. And that's helped me, too. Yes. And he also says that all you have to do today is know the truth. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah. So, um, very important to claim that stillness and that listening ability. 
and not get all revved up and pushy and your own human agenda going. And that's why so, so many people who are overly educated find it hard to listen because they have all this educational thoughts coming to them, what they learned in humanly, humanly what they learned in school. So they can't, they can't hear that voice. It, it's got to all be unlearned, just as Paul said, count it all dunked. Harry's favorite quote. <laughs> <laughs> so um, it was interesting because that watching point, when I looked it up, is actually a very long one. And I would like to read a few things from it because it, it further makes the point that Mrs. Eddy, it says in the uh, quoting Mrs. Eddy, latest news from God, handle the serpent in nerve. In one of Mrs. Eddy's classes, Mrs. Eddy taught as follows. A nerve is a talking ser serpent that was a lie from the beginning. Era is the talking serpent that talks to you against mother and Jesus and yourself and your brethren and cannot talk at all. And then the quote, truth is, let God talk all the time. There is nothing else. And then, the great unfoldment, or latest news from God, that Mrs. Eddy sent to Dr. Baker's class, was that we should no more condemn nerves than we would condemn our radio because it was turned into a program that we did not like. It is through the belief of nerves that all our suffering seems to come. But that is no reason for working to destroy them, since mortal mind never created them. Hence, what appears to be nerves is a human distortion of God's means and methods of communicating spiritual ideas. They are the spiritual antenna over which are transmitted the precious messages of good. Spiritually considered, they are God-given means by which man becomes conscious of God and universe. Human belief of nerves to what they try. And if you know this and are working with this, because human belief is that they transmit pain or pleasure, but no, there are ways to hear God's patience. And then also this, the world of mortal belief malpractices on food just as it does on nerves. This malpractice is the talking serpent that must be handled. Jesus encouraged the eating of food, showing that at our present stage of experience, it is not food that we must eliminate, but the belief that it is material, that it can affect man adversely, either through quality or quantity, or that it can be the medium for mortal mind. If God is not absent from the blessing he bestows, then we must never consider that his goodness and love are absent from the food he supplies to his children. I think that's beautiful. Um, he's mm -hmm. never must never consider that his goodness and love are absent. You must never consider it. Even as you eat your food, the food is from God, and it's, he's with that food. He blesses it. And it can only bless you. And it's interesting, either in quality or quantity. And then when Jesus met with his disciples at supper, the eating of food became a channel for a spiritual gift. When food is seen as a channel for inspiration and blessing, man's spiritual nature is fed. At the same time, his temporary material needs are taken care of. So I thought those were beautiful thoughts from Carpenter. And we've talked about these things before, but food is always a hot topic, so it would seem. Or nerves and to think of them properly, and to know that it's only God speaking to you. And then, I love this too. This is from um, Practice of Christian Science by Big Na Young. Even a harmonious human body is not necessarily expressing health. Health is more than the absence of disease. Health is the eternal state 
of spiritual being. Health is the eternal state of spiritual being. It has nothing to do with matter. It has to do, again, with your being in God, your spiritual being. And it actually has nothing to do with your body. Which is why you can't look to your body to see if you're healthier. And that's why, you know, contagion, how can contagion have any power? It has nothing to do with that. Health is, is your spiritual being. You don't have to fear matter in any way, shape, or form. You're the master of it. You have dominion of it. And it's so important to go about your day like this. That's why in the first citation of the responsive reading, it says a man can receive nothing except be given him from heaven. Heaven is spiritual state of consciousness. Thank you. Yes, that goes right along with that beautiful statement in the responsive reading. You can receive nothing unless it comes to you from heaven. But you need to know that all the time. And when something seems to come to you that doesn't seem from heaven, then it's it's a um, you know it's just a and you can turn around the picture and, and see through it, see the truth. You can, as it says in the Bible, resist evil and it will flee from you. This is a beautiful, an ex- excerpt from a beautiful article that uh, Carrie sent. Uh, being, not seeming. Because this being is, the, is listening, listening God. This is the being. And as Florence mentioned, the beautiful statement from Mrs. Ed. Evans, that if it's not good, it's not from God. So it says, twice daily the Pharisee repeated the great commandments. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind, and love her as thyself. But, see, and this is, you know, you can say all these things to yourself over and over and over in two cents. And it says, but he carried with him a stone ready to throw at those whom he deemed less righteous than he thought himself to be. On the other hand, looked compassionately at the multitudes who thronged him, and he lovingly healed them. Then there was the Pharisee who bandaged his eyes to protect his gaze from the contamination of others. But Jesus fearlessly looked upon the sinful beliefs of the world, and knowing their nothingness, beheld in the radiant reality of God the godlike man, untouched by mortal seeming, and thus the dream of the senses whether sin, disease, or death, that became to him what it truly was, nothing. Again, the Pharisee went stumbling through the streets to show his humility, while Jesus, realizing the glory and the sublimity of God, forgot himself in the wonder of his vision, in true humility, acknowledging the glory of God's presence. In these two polar extremes of religion, we have the difference between seeming and being. For one is an imitation, and the other is real. One is small and mean. The other is of infinite magnitude and beauty. One is mortal, the other eternal. So with our gaze resting on the wonderful Counselor, the Prince of Peace, we can everlastingly be grateful to Betty for giving us on page 468 of Science of Health that scientific statement of being, understanding of which saves from mortal seeming. Therefore, to use Paul's words, let us keep the feast, not with the old leaven, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity, truth. So, the listening to God, that's, that's Jesus, that's his example. And, Eddie's example. That's the being. The other is seeming. You can say all the words. You can say, I know this, I know that, I know this. And then you, you act on an unloving or mean thought about your neighbor. No, not it. So 
we're ever on guard to anything that would lead us astray. This voice and our listening ear, this is Eddie, describes it as a, a ready ear for the overture of angels. Have that ready ear and be a listener. All right. Thank you. I I just wanted to say that section on, you know, what it said about Christ Jesus reminded me of retrospection and introspection where Mary Baker Eddy said how he had holy humility, unworldliness, and self-abandonment. I I think of that every day. (laughs) That's that's beautiful. It, it is. It Practical. is. Yeah. You know, each day we get a, an opportunity to do to do better than the day before. Express that Christly love. Have that ready ear for the overture of angels. Uh, several years ago, um, on the forum. Was Elizabeth from Georgia who wrote about eleven. Now we're going to get into the eleven. This is such an interesting lesson on that. And I always loved what she found and wrote um, to me because it was explained a lot, things I hadn't really understood. Uh, and she's quoting, and when the disciples were come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Then Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees. So the definition of leaven in the 1828 dictionary, anything which makes a general change in the mass generally means something which corrupts or depraves that with which it is mixed. Then the idea is that leaven passes secretly and silently through the mass of the dough. So this Jesus was instructing his disciples to be on guard when hearing the doctrines of the Pharisees and Sadducees, who espoused the inventions, traditions of men, and lack the spiritual sense of the scriptures. He compares their doctrine to leaven because they sought secretly to infuse their notions into the minds of men, and which imbibed, spread their infection, and made men sour morose, rigid, and ill-natured, and swelled and puffed them up with pride and vanity. That's from Gill's Exposition of the Bible. He advises each disciple to look about them to watch, lest they should be infected with them. What a great lesson to be watchful of the pervasive and secret workings of animal magnetism. The disciples at first did not understand his meaning. So. That's one form of leaven, right? Leaven of the Pharisees and Sadducees. That's not a good one. But it'll work on you if you're not watching your thinking and making sure you're listening to the overture of angels. Otherwise, you know, just the emotion, everything of the day will wear you down. And pretty soon, what happens? You begin. But... um, Rigid, ill-natured, morose, morose, swelled up, puffed up—all those negative things of mortal mind that we don't—we don't want to go there. We don't have to go there. And if you find yourself there, you shake yourself up, jump up and down, do whatever you need to to get out of it. Not you. It's not true. It's not true about anybody. So. There's more on that forum that maybe I'll refer to later, but now I'm going to let Nancy. Nancy, what did you write about this? Uh, well, I was inspired by my practitioner had given me Science and Health, page 117 and 18, to read about what Mrs. Eddy speaks about, plant leaven, and that made me look further. And in miscellany, it said, we follow truth only as we follow truly. Meekly, patiently, spiritually, blessing saint and sinner with the leaven of divine love, which women, which woman has put into Christendom and medicine. And then further um, in miscellaneous writings, 
The leaven which a woman took and hid in three measures of meal is divine science, the comforter, the Holy Ghost that leadeth into all truth. It's the still small voice that breathes his presence and power, casting out error and healing the sick. And I loved this. The woman, the spiritual idea, takes the things of God and showeth them unto the creature until the whole sense of being is leavened with spirit. So the three measures of meal may well be likened to the false sense of life, substance, and intelligence, which says I am sustained by bread or matter instead of mind. The spiritual leaven of divine science changes this false view and gives a better view of life, saying man's life is God. And then this shall appear, and it shall be the substance of things hoped for. The measure of life shall increase by every spiritual touch, even as the leaven expands the loaf. Man shall keep the feast of life, not with the old leaven of the scribes and Pharisees, neither with the leaven of malice and wickedness, but the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth. And I know that was just said, but it certainly bears repeating. And it just struck me so thoroughly how the work that we do in this church, our unity watches and our services and our individual working, uh, declaring God's allness, we are doing as that woman in the parable. We're taking the things of God and we're adding this spiritual leaven of divine science until the whole sense of being will be leavened. I just love that. That is beautiful, and and this is the truth. This is the you see for every every divine object, it would seem to have the counterfeit, but this is the truth. Was what yes. we were talking about the, uh, in the very beginning about the what true nerve means, what food really means, now what the leaven means, and it is the leaven of truth. And those are beautiful quotes from Mrs. Eddy. Because some people wonder, you know, about our watches, how it works. And this is also from Bicknell Young, Practice of Christian Science. Become aware of the truth that God, which is our individual mind of this universe, is the one and only mind. All that is necessary for the truth to express itself is to be received in the consciousness of one individual and it immediately takes effect in the consciousness of all who are attuned. Even if they are not directly your patients, somewhere persons in a hospital, prison, on an island, individuals who are reaching out to their highest concept of God, reaching out for help, are healed. Though they do not know how or why, and you do not know who they are, still, it is true. Since God is the mind of me, and God is the mind of you, because there is only that one mind. That is so beautiful. And in one of uh, Imogen's testimonies, you know, that is what she was saying that in Australia, when she was going through such a terrible time, and it was during a time when, when our church, we were doing watches day and night. And, and she's firmly convinced that it was those watches that saved her and that eventually even brought her to this church. Um, and I, I certainly can believe that. If you believe what I just read, which I do, people who are reaching out, maybe save, Lord, or I perish, perish. Those prayers we're giving in our watches, they will reach them. They are attuned. Never doubt it. Who knows the good it has done? That's the leaven of truth at work. And since God is infinite, it, those, our prayers reach everywhere. Not, no, I mean, think about it. Not just the earth. The whole universe. Yeah, the whole universe, <laughs> right. And of course, Imogen was in Australia at that time. And there are other, you know, there are many, many stories in this, of this kind of a thing happening. We'll never know the good it does. So don't, 
just because you don't see some immediate result that some fantastic thing happened in the government or whatever you have outlined to happen, because that's your outlining, doesn't mean that it is not working. Ways you will never know. Oh, maybe you get early case. Also, in that. Pretty, oh, sorry. Please go ahead. I was going to say, I just, I find it really comforting. It's like a little leaven, leaven at the whole lump. You know, you don't have to pour a, like a whole, you, you don't have to have more leaven than the lump. It's just a little leaven. And Mrs. Eddie also says, you know, become conscious for a single instant. You know, the, it, so it's not, it, it's not like you, it just shows the power of just, just that little brightness can make such a huge difference. And I was thinking about, Paul's conversion, you know, Paul was all those things we had talked about, you know, super educated and, you know, just uh, plowing forward. And, and, you know, he was, he was, the early Christians were just terrified of him. And yet the leaven of Christ worked in his thought because his thought was, I mean, at his core, he was trying to do what he thought was right. And then that leaven of truth came in and completely changed his trajectory. Absolutely. And, you know, we've heard stories, people in prison, other places, you know, could be the worst sinner. And they'll have like a visitation of the Christ in a dream or some other way. And their their whole being is changed. It is working. We must never doubt it. And uh, you all should study in Science and Health as pages 117 and 118. And in, on 118, Mrs. Eddy said, in their spiritual significance, think of these three. Science, theology, and medicine are means of divine thought, which includes spiritual laws emanating from the invisible and infinite power and grace. The parable may import that these spiritual laws, perverted by a perverse material sense of law, are metaphysically presented as three measures of meal, that is, three modes of mortal thought. In all mortal forms of thought, dust is dignified as the natural status of man and thing, and modes of material motion are honored with the name of laws. This continues until the leaven of spirit changes the whole mortal thought as yeast changes the chemical properties of meal. Think of it. The leaven of truth, it's working in science, theology, medicine. It's working. And we've already seen, I mean, great advancements in all those areas in the study today. And certainly the medical, large part of it, realizing, you know, how much your thinking affects your are coming out. And it is why, you know, that beautiful statement that Florence found years ago from Mrs. Eddie said, when Materia Medica becomes so organized, healing in Christian science seems almost possible. Don't work on the building of churches, but what? Science and health. Make sure science and health goes out to everyone. Every time you read it, every time you study it, it's going out. And, and it, it is. You're taking it into thought and it is going out. Why we must treasure it and value it. And this interesting Imogen's testimony Wednesday, you know, the distance she got to reading a few pages chronologically each day. And to that, we add prose works as well, because prose works is very important too. Those three books. And they must be those three books, the Bible, Science and Health, Prose Works. And they must supersede, really, all your other studying. The other studying is great, but those three books, those you must know. And so many so-called Christian scientists do not. I'm amazed. Lifelong Christian scientists, third and fourth generation. They've never read Science and Health. I mean, what's with that? They've read the lesson. But they haven't read it through. They haven't read it like a textbook. Please don't be one of them. And that's true of prose works as well, and the Bible. And in one of these 
articles again that Carrie sent, it talks about how we appreciate the Bible all the more because science and health leavens it for us. It gives us the understanding of it. It's the spiritual interpretation of it. Again, the leaven of truth working. All right, Ardell, what did you write about? Oh, well, I I worked with the leaven, the unleavened, and all of this all week. And it wasn't until Friday night that I came across Miscellaneous Writings, 174. Nancy read most of it. Uh, there's a little bit that I think wasn't said yet. Because it says, well, of course, in Matthew it said, the kingdom of heaven is like under leaven. And then Mary Baker Eddy says, what is the kingdom of heaven? The abode of the spirit, the realm of the real. No matter is there, no night is there. Nothing that maketh or worketh a lie. Is there matter in there? No night. And it is ever present, ever present. And, uh, and, then, you, and then there's a little bit. I looked up a commentary. It's the Daily Devotional. And there are other people who, who understand this. Maybe not the way we do in science, but I thought this was nice. Even though, this is a quote. We may not notice it. God is working constantly in and through people's lives throughout this whole wide world, building up his kingdom and providing us with the bread of life that we need in order to have life to the full, end quote. Beautiful. Thank you, Shardell. Yes. How beautiful. And, and, you know, I think of that, what uh, Lawrence read in her prayer this morning at the end about we, no reason why we can't know the truth and be well and happy. Why not? As we are and are that example, we'll help others too. But again, goal isn't, isn't just to be well and happy. Again, in another quote from Betty about Levin, she says, um, leavening the lump of human thought until the whole world shall be leavened and all materialism will finally disappear. So, what is materialism? Reliance on It's the belief that there is life, truth, intelligence, or substance in it. It's looking to matter. To matter for truth, looking to matter for intelligence, looking to matter as substantial. All of which being in the wrong direction. And, and that, thank you. Oh. And that leads to the story of, um, and he mentioned it, the story of Paul. Saul, who converts to Paul, and to whom he is he speaking to in this 26? It's my understanding that he was taken before the court, and I think there was a King Agrippa that he was speaking to, but uh, I don't know how to say his name, uh, Fustus or something. Uh, Festus. Festus, thank you. <laughs> was also a leader. He was recently had replaced another uh, Roman leader, and he was trying to impress the Jewish leaders. So he was kind of giving Paul a hard time. And but neither one of them, as Jerry mentioned, Jeremy mentioned earlier, could come up with anything substantial that Paul did. And Paul was saying, look, I was uh, talking about my experience. I was following God's commands, and they want to kill me. And so he, he ended up, he wouldn't back down. Uh, so the uh, option was to go up to, I guess, Rome, and that's where he was and uh, in their court. Uh, and so they were, And so they were trying to find a way to, find accusations they could give Rome 
when Paul went. I mean, they could they were having a very hard time figuring it out. But uh, I love how Paul just keeps telling his story. And there's one point I think King Agrippa says, you know, you're trying to convert me, you know, but not now. But I I thought it was actually quite interesting. It it touched me how uh, when Paul was speaking that actually was leavening King Agrippa's thought and he could feel it. I mean, how could you not feel what Paul was expressing and have it and not affect you? And uh, but unfortunately, they were trying too hard to please the leaders of the Jewish community who were anti-Paul at the time. Paul, Paul having the mind of Christ seemed crazy to them. Yes. <laughs> no, I think I ever noticed that before when Festus said with a loud voice, Paul, thou art beside thyself. Much learning doth make thee mad. <laughs> <laughs> And he said, I'm not mad, most noble Festus. See, he was still polite, but speak forth the words of truth and soberness. I thought that was, I, I don't ever remember reading that before. It's just beautiful. And um, I didn't know much. I didn't know much about Festus or hadn't thought too much about it. But yeah, he was a governor of Judea. And um, it says, again, Carrie sent me this article called An Appeal to Caesar. And in that article, it says that um, that Agrippa Agrippa told Festus, who was also, I guess, a bishop, one of the Romans, um, that Paul might have been released if he had not elected to carry his case before the emperor, because he said, you know, before the aggravation of envy and hate of mortal mind. I appeal unto Caesar. Now, this goes on to say in this article, the history of the human race proves that an appeal to Caesar brings no favorable answer, answer to the petitioner. Remembering the axiomatic and therefore scientific statement that the nature, quality, and modus of error remain unchanged until destroyed. We may avoid the disaster which results from recourse to the mythical and unreal. Caesar in office or person was a type of cruelty, hardness, austerity, and selfishness. Mortals should have made the discovery by this time that every application for relief to such a pretense of power will fail because good, no love, no compassion, and tears and cease. So, and I think Caesar goes back to what Gary was saying, right? Looking to matter, materiality. What is Caesar? What is it? What is it to look? Hello. Hello. Yeah. Sorry, I didn't hear you. Uh, thank you for all that you have said. And I have really thought about this and prayed about this to get an answer how come, because people ask me also, how come all these people that did so much good and and really, you know, vouching for God had such terrible things done and die and kill and all that. And what came to me as inspiration was that they didn't have all of what we have learned in the science of the Christ about animal magnetism, about malpractice, about protecting ourselves. And just to, just to, get them to see how important it is what we can learn in this science of the Christ. And and it was really a revelation to me that we do have this protection today. We do have this understanding of of the Christ and malpractice and and how to protect from it. And that's one of the best things that I really have found in Christian science. Thank you. And that's why to appeal to Caesar 
is appealing in the wrong direction. To appeal to to appeal to a human office or a human anything. The appeal should always be to God, to the truth. And let the truth determine how it happens. And that's where, you know, again, listening, because you can't outline what God might say to you. He can tell you to do a lot of different things. It might not be what you think he's going to tell you. Some some scientists get very willful in what they think God is telling them. Got to have, as Tony said earlier, no preconceived notions. Listening and open. I will listen for thy voice, lest my footsteps stray. And that he says the divine method of paying sin's wages involves unwinding one's sorrows and learning from experience how to divide between sense and soul. So you learn from experience. The ear is gained from experience. Might make from your mistake. How you develop it more and more. Always done in quietude. Either suffering or science. Mm-hmm. How we learn. Suffering yes. Thank you. Yes. And that is in the lesson this week, and one we quote a lot. And that's why the suffering experience can be a great blessing, um, because you'll learn from it. You'll reap the fruit from it. You'll learn. You'll, it should raise you up higher. Uh, it should defeat you in any way, but make you better and stronger, even if it was a rough experience. Gather what you've learned. Gather in the harvest what you've learned. Stay with it. You'll grow and learn even more. And I like, too, because this is important to know, it said in the lesson, a wicked mortal is not the idea of God. He is little less than the expression of error. To suppose that sin, lust, hatred, envy, hypocrisy, revenge have life abiding in them is a terrible mistake. Life and life's idea, truth and truth's idea, never make men sick, sinful, or mortal. So, peacock, when um, scientists, when there's something very wicked going on, and you know, no, he's a child of God. Well, no, he's not, not until he stops acting wickedly. Uh, you have to prove it, then you can say it. But why sometimes scientists say these absolute statements and they haven't proven it. It's very disturbing and aggravating to others. So we prove our science step by step. And yes, but Ingrid was referring to remember that mankind must sooner or later, either by suffering or by science, be convinced of the error that is to be overcome. And the last statement in the science itself, ages pass, but this leaven of truth is ever at work. It must destroy the entire mass of error and so be eternally glorified in man's spiritual freedom. So must it must do this. It is doing it. We can know it is doing it doing it and rejoice in the fact it is doing it. Okay, the bell is ringing, and Gary has another really interesting, beautiful article Carrie sent to us about something about Mr. Teddy. Yeah, this is from the 1924 issue of the Sentinel, and the by Albert Gilmore, and it's uh, the the title of the article is Signs of the Times, and it reads. The century has scarcely run its first quarter, yet the thoughts of men have been immeasurably quickened in the acceptance of spiritual truth through the wide dissemination of the teachings of Christian science. The leaven of truth is changing the trend of thought to an incredible degree. A recent incident is of special interest to Christian scientists because of the extraordinary recognition of our leaders' works and a certain historical significance attaching thereto. In 1759, Benjamin Franklin, then resident in London as representative of the American colonies, 
placed in the hands of the Society of Friends 100 pounds sterling to accumulate for 150 years with the provision that thereafter, at the discretion of the trustees, awards are to be made from time to time for the most valuable contribution on the subject of curing disease, but particularly in relation to surgery, the nervous system, and the part mind treating has in the recovery and preservation of health. Announcement has been recently made of the first awards from this fund. Minor recognitions cover the first two phases of the subject, but the major prize goes to an American author of a book entitled Mental and Spiritual Healing. While the author, an advocate of no special system, impartially, as he believes, reviews the various methods which fall under this title, he gives special attention to Christian science, making, among other friendly statements, this, quote, Mary Baker Eddy, in spite of the antagonism that has been directed against her and her work and church, nevertheless has reached more people directly and indirectly along such spiritual lines than any other person in the past 2,000 years, end quote. Here is a recognition, rendered under unique circumstances, of the good works established by our beloved leader. The incident takes on added interest when it is recalled that Benjamin Franklin expressed his firm belief in the efficacy of mental healing. And while there is no evidence to indicate that he ever glimpsed spiritual healing as taught in science, he no doubt recognized something of the mental cause and the possibilities of the mental cure of disease. End quote. So, isn't that interesting and wonderful? Yes. Eddie <laughs> getting due recognition. Excellent. So, well, thank you all so much for joining us today. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much.